Welcome back to the Dungeon Master's Block, the place where we come to talk about the Dungeon Master, the most important person in the game. With every conversation, we hope to inspire as many as possible to keep on Dungeon Mastering. I'm one of your hosts, DM Neil, aka Jote Moniac, and today we have another special guest, someone once again I have actually met in person, shared time on the high seas with, and it is none other than Dice Cream Sandwich, content creator extraordinaire, and that is actually the topic at hand, figuring out what it takes to be a content creator, how you could become one, and just looking into that world from his perspective. But before we do that, as always, we want to say thank you for listening to us. And if you want to engage with us further, check the show notes. There is a link to the Discord. And lately, Discord has decided to add a more forum-like setting inside of it. So we're going to try taking some of those gymnastic exercises and putting them into Discord. Will it work? We don't know. But the one thing we know we're going to do is at least give it a shot. But with that out of the way, there's nothing left to do but head to the meat. I'm starving. We ain't had nothing but maggoty bread for three stinking days. Why can't we have some meats? Looks like meat back on the menu, boys. So today for the meat, we have another special guest, someone who I've actually met in person, which is very rare for the podcast. So we have Kevin, a.k.a. Dice Cream Sandwich, who is a content producer for Questline RPG, Dungeon Master for Wild Beyond the Witchlight and Dragonlance, Shadow of War, streamer, meme maker, and man about town. Kevin, thanks for coming on. Hey, good intro, my dude. That was awesome. <laughs> Thank thanks you. so much for being I'm glad to be here. Yeah, of course. And like I said, we've actually met in person. We were That's both right. on the D20 cruise, uh-huh. which I will openly admit, I did not tell any, anyone there. Uh, that was my first cruise I've ever been on. Me too. Yeah, so I was um, mortified at the idea that I could possibly be sick. And then everyone who is in my games would then just not have a dungeon master. And I was, it haunted me every moment leading up to the cruise and during the cruise. I got hit bad the first day. I don't know if you remember. I, or if anyone told you, yeah, I felt like I was in a green arrow comic and vertigo just kicked me in the nuts. Like (laughs) I, it was the weirdest feeling. And I'm an island boy, like an island kid. I grew up in the Southern Gulf Islands here in Canada. Uh, British Columbia. I'm used to both. I'm used to the water. So I was like, this will be fine. I got this. I won't get seasick. No worries. And then that first day we all get on the boat and it's nice and sunny. And I go into the pool and the boat is now like far oh, from the harbor good. and we're in the middle of, 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 of the run and the boat just starts going back and forth. And I don't notice it at first until I look down the water and it's going like like the equilibrium oh. of it just shifts in diagonals from one end to the other, making me very, very aware that the boat is moving in insane (laughs) angles. And my stomach just started doing backflips. And I was like, okay, I'm putting this daiquiri down. Um, I need to go. And then it just accelerated. I remember they had that big like introduction sort of gathering on day one, that ballroom. And everyone's like, there's people, presenters talking like, thank you so much for coming to the cruise. And there's like all of us and all those chairs and tables and the room just starts spinning and I'm just trying to focus. And I'm like, fuck, and I got to get up. And I just got up and I left and I was trying to go down the stairs and I felt like the gravity of the earth was just pulling me into the hull of the ship. Like walking was hard. My chest was heavy. Like, like it was awful. And I was like, what's happening like if, like you remember daniel craig and um oh no a casino real oh yeah, where, yeah like he has the poison and he's like stumbling to his car to get the antidote words and then he's like reaching his car that's what i felt like trying to get to the clinic because it was in the bottom hull of it the ship was and i was on the opposite side of the boat of where it was so I was like stumbling, like trying to like people thought I was drunk because I was like trying my best to find out where it was going through the casino, like moving from side to side, stumbling until I finally got some Dremamine and the, the clinic gave me a couple pills and I, and I laid down in my bed and then I was fine for the rest of the cruise. But that first day was awful. <laughs> Which is, it's wild because had, I, I mean, I hadn't known until we got there that basically the most or the least movement is in the center of the ship. 
Yeah. So all of the stuff that you would want to do as a, a cruise goer is on the top. All of the stuff that we would do as a convention goer is on the bottom. Mm. So by far the places that move the most. But what is even lower than where we were for the convention is, of course, where you go for the medical place. It is yeah. the only thing lower than where we were. It looked so sketchy, too, because it was in like the bottom, bottom, like hall floor where like the back doors to kitchens are and cruise quarters. So it didn't even look like you were supposed to be there when the arrows kept pointing to clinic. I'm like, I don't know if this is right. I feel like I'm getting more lost. Oh God. It was like being in a 007 golden eye video game, just going through all those metal hall hallways. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Well, we've already started to dip in, but for our first interview question, is there anything you can tell us about yourself that you think our listeners would love to hear? Oh man. Uh, so, so many things that I probably would love to hear off the top of my head, uh, Questline, the studio that I'm currently partnered with and working for just launched a avatar last airbender actual play show. Yeah. Um, that has like the same bells and whistles that like a critical role studio does. They're based in Vancouver, BC, Canada, uh, where I live and the amount of production value they put on their stuff is just mind bendingly good. And this is, what is it? We're in June 20th right now. It just went live today, session one. Um, and it's freaking amazing. I, the team has been posting the trailers all over Twitter and Instagram and other TTRPG nerd spaces, if you may have seen it. It's like orange and black and has like mimics the intro of the show, which is so cool. Uh, it's yeah, playing I, off the Magpie system too. The, oh, okay, the yeah. Magpie game that they have. So that's the first thing at the top of my head because I've been <laughs> deeply entrenched in... <laughs> promoting that game which i just think is a is a cool story it's run by uh petra skellington trans uh game master who's a wonderful storyteller and a brilliant performer so that's kind of what i'm knee deep in right now as far as <laughs> nerd stuff yeah the production value alone and uh, obviously it's it's one of those things and we'll probably get into this a little bit when we hit the true meat of the con the content but like oh that's going to be both so exhilarating and uh, a little bit terrifying to take a pro an intellectual property that has so much fervent fandom behind it and then try and produce something that you know that those fans would then enjoy. But like the trailer alone is, you know, like you said, just mind bending. Yeah. If anyone's watching this, go over to you can find him on the socials Questline on Instagram, Questline RPG on uh, Twitter, Questline D&D &D on TikTok. We really got to get our names more <laughs> organized and streamlined. But yeah, if you look at Questline D&D, it's on most socials. Uh, the trailers are fantastic. The story also takes place way in the past because I wasn't even aware of this. Uh, but apparently the story of like the history of like the Avatar in the show, there's like when the first one happened and then there's like nothing for decades. And then there's recorded of like the one that happened before Aang and maybe just before that. But there's this huge gap in time where like I don't know if it's recorded or just like there's no lore from the show or other places to like support that timeline. So Petra put their story right in that blank slate. So they just have nice. free reign to tell whatever story they want, which is pretty cool. So it's it's a prequel to the first iteration of the cartoon, not the chorus stuff way before Aang. And yeah, it, it leaves them a lot of runway just to make whatever story they want. Uh, so it's pretty, pretty sick. And yeah, it's great making a game with a property everyone knows and loves because obviously you want it to go well and you want it to be received well, but everyone really digs all the content we've made around it. So let's, here's hoping that people dig it, man. I think they will. So the next question, is there anything else that you're currently working on and the wonderful caveat due to NDAs and who knows what else that you can <laughs> actually tell us about? Uh, well, for myself, like this is, we were just talking about earlier. It's one of the busiest years for myself as a creator since I started doing this full time. I've been doing it full time for around three years now, give or take. But yeah, I did my first studio actual play with Questline. We developed this amazing partnership between myself and them where I'm producing what we like to call these, these event games, which are like four part series that include me as DM and get to include a lot of really amazing storytellers creators you may recognize online from various spaces, including some of their homegrown cast. Uh, we did Dragonlance Shadow of War in January, which was obviously based off the uh, Wizards campaign that came out not that long before. 
my newest one that's coming out soon is my second one that I'm currently in pre-production, so I'm pretty pretty stoked. Uh, it's a Pathfinder game, which is awesome for you Pathfinder fans, which I dove head deep into that system prepping for this game, and I loved every minute of it. I started my own uh, little campaign at home to practice the system for Pathfinder and just chose a random adventure path. Uh, and for whatever reason, Bloodlords, for those that know, uh, stood out to me. It's one of their newer ones that released in the fall last year. And it's all around based in the undead nation of Geb, which is just run by necromancers. And it's full of skeletons and zombies and all good stuff. Uh, but I loved it so much because I was like, oh, my God, you get to play as undead like heritages nice. and ancestries and stuff, which you, which you can't do in D&D. So it was great start like path to start off on and i loved it so much i'm like i want to do my story around that so we're doing another four-part series based in the nation of geb inspired by some of the events of the blood lords campaign so that's we're shooting that uh, early july to hopefully release early august then that's kind of my next big thing coming up and then i have some live games at some big events in the summer San Diego Comic-Con being one of them. Hello. Ooh. First time going as a creator. Very, very excited. I got to go last year for the first time ever okay. as a guest. And it blew my mind because I've been wanting to go this thing for years, years and years and years. And just seemed like it was never going to happen because it's so expensive. And getting a ticket is freaking impossible. Yep. Like you don't get it within that first five minutes or even 30 seconds of them being released. You don't get one. Yep, I've only ever been because I know somebody that knows somebody that can get tickets. It, yeah, that's, that's it. That's the only way. So I got graciously invited to be a part of the RPG Theater series, which is a series of games that goes on the Omni Hotel, sort of kitty corner to the convention space, where there will be games being run like two or three times a day. Lots of names in the TTRPG space that you know and love will be a part of them as as GMs, as players running all different types of systems and games. Uh, so very honored to be a part of it. I will be running a glorious all Hobbit one shot from the one ring system nice. uh, from Free League, uh, which is very exciting. Lord of the Rings is actually the franchise, the movies, uh, the books that the movie specifically got me into becoming an actor which led me to be becoming a performer, which led me to doing all the stuff that I'm doing now with my love of fantasy and uh, and storytelling. So it's pretty full circle for me. Can't wait. That's going to be, we're doing our game on Friday, 10 a.m. So bright and early to like 1.15 p.m. And then, and then, and then, and then, I'm a week later going to be at Gen Con doing Ooh. two shows. Uh, also in the Grand Ballroom in the Western Grand this is our third year going, uh, the Dice Cream crew, myself, my producer, Jordy Rose. We gather just a hodgepodge of creators from D&D TikTok, from the TTRPG creator scene. Um, we're doing two games this year. One is actually a Pathfinder game. The other one is a continuation of the game we had last year with, with the same group of creators. And we have special guests from Legend of Avantress joining us this year, which is a great actual play hilarious show uh twitch if you've never seen it you've probably seen their clips on tiktok and maybe even instagram their shows are hilarious laugh out loud funny yeah and then i've got my third actual play that will be happening in october with <laughs> questline that we're we you know that those talks are just being out of what it's going to be um so stay tuned for that uh and then i'm gonna die yep uh and then i'm gonna go into the ground and because i won't have any soul left and that'll be my run in this life. So. Hey, burn bright, burn bright, <laughs> burn bright right till the end. So, yeah, so lots going on, but very, very exciting. Obviously, you know, a lot, not a lot of people in our industry, you know, get these opportunities and get the chance to work this much or give opportunities to tell stories in these places. So there may be days where I'm tired. And there may be days where I'm like, ah, oh, this feels like a bit much, but I'm always forever grateful and can't believe that I get to do this for a living. So that's awesome. Well, I have a surprise question for you. And usually we have them from patrons and, and things like that. But we're, we're running low on those. So sometimes <laughs> I have to come up with them for myself. You've already alluded to the idea of like, we should really align some of our names. So I'm going to inquire as to why 
or how you came up with Dice Cream Sammy um, for your Twitter handle instead of Dice Cream Sandwich. Because that may imply that did someone have it already and you couldn't get it? Were there too many characters? So what's the story behind Dice Cream Sammy? Dice Cream Sandwich is too long. So I had to short. That was it. I was like, there's only that is it. I tried to put it in and it was like, there's too many characters. So I was like, I guess it's Sammy. Ice cream Sammy instead oh. of sandwich. Oh, because yeah, you would have got to like sandwi. And that's not yeah, that's literally would have gotten like two thirds of the way there, and then it just gets cut off. So I had to find a way to shorten it. Hey, there we okay. There we are. I mean, we're and I mean you're preaching to the choir. That's why we're DMS underscore block, DMs block. <laughs> because you can't put dungeon master block, it's just not gonna work. Nope. So okay, well, there we go. So that puts us straight into the meat of the conversation. And I think it's so a lot of the things that we talk about here, we always try and have it be evergreen content. And one of the things I think about this conversation is I think it will help people that A, want to become creators, but mm. B, I think it helps people better understand that the creators that they're engaging with. Because I feel like that's not always something that happens. I, with the way that I engage with a lot of people in this podcast, be it you know on the mic, off the mic, behind the scenes, in front of everything, I think it just affords me a perspective that a lot of people just don't have because that's just not the road they walk. They're just engaging directly with the content in some ways, not engaging with the creator. So I feel like this conversation is really helpful for anyone listening because again, it gives insight into both how to become one and why, and just a person that is one you of course. And I think that that's a super helpful thing because I think it just will help you both either create your own content or engage with it better. So, mm-hmm. um, so my first question is, I let's say it's me, and in some ways this is a conversation that you know I'm asking questions <laughs> on a personal basis, um, yeah. which is the secondary benefit of having this podcast. So let's say I haven't created, I don't even have a TikTok, which is yeah, basically yeah. true. How do I become a content creator? What do I do? How, where do I start? What do you do? How do you start? What do you have? How? Yeah. Uh, well. I think there's a few things that you'd want. Like if you're just like, I don't do any social media, I don't create any content, but I I have a podcast or I have an actual play on Twitch, but I don't have any content around that to support it. Where do I start? What do I do? Or maybe you don't have any of those things to go off of and you're just like starting from scratch one. I want to make D&D content. Where do I start? So it comes it, it starts to come down to like if, if we're coming from like you don't have anything else going on you don't have a podcast you don't have an actual play show you know i guess decide like what content do you want to make like do you want to be a podcast do you want to make your own actual play show do you want to just be a personality somebody who is very enthusiastic loves playing dnd loves making minis, loves collecting dice, loves telling stories, you know, it's just the general fan of the TTRPG genre. I think that'll help you kind of pick a path on what side of that fence do you want to lie on, then creating content around that main subject, whether it's you're promoting a podcast, you're promoting your actual play, you're promoting yourself. And sometimes you can do all of that at the same time. And then making content, we all make content for various reasons, you know, like one of them being, we want to be creative. We want to just show people our passions, you know, that we're funny, that we found a cool thing and want to show it to another person, that we make great actual plays, that we make great podcasts, we want to share it with you. We want that message to get out to the world in a big way. Content is the best way to do that. It's the best way to reach hundreds of millions, sometimes billions of people to get that message out to the world. Some people are great at making videos. Some people are better at writing blogs. Some people are better at doing audio and just doing podcasts. You know, everyone's got their their things that they're better at. And then they kind of triple down on top of that. But if you're trying to get into the you know, video content game on a TikTok, Instagram side of things, where to start, obviously make your accounts and start getting involved in the conversation, start consuming the content, you know, put in D&D hashtags into your searches, just start diving in 
to the community, to the world, start feeling the vibe of like, what does content look like on Instagram versus TikTok? Generally, it's pretty much the same now. Like reels and TikToks are the same yeah. thing. <laughs> but what type of posts might be good for TikTok sometimes don't always translate to what's going on Instagram. Same thing with Instagram. You can post pictures, stories. TikTok is all video, mostly short form video, quick, concise, to the point, following trends, making people laugh, making people engage either emotionally or intellectually or giving them value by showing them how to make something or how to do something, showing them a thing that didn't know exists. Like I found these insane dice that are avatar themed. Holy crap, these are cool. Or I read this article on this different way to do a death saving throw and it blew my mind. You know, that kind of YouTube mentality of like big headline to attract people. I want to watch more. And some people go down the comedy route, the sad emotional route, you know, whatever it is. I think the first step is just to get engaging in the content and consuming a lot of it. Because then that will give you a benchmark or a playing field of like, okay, I've been consuming. I usually tell people, don't even worry about making your first post till you've watched videos for like two weeks straight. You'll then get a good idea of like what people are making, what is doing super well, what is going super viral, what videos are getting super big views at at that point. For then to you say like, how do I want to join that conversation? Do I want to make meme videos, which is a very popular way of doing video content. You find trending sounds, you find joke setups that maybe were started by like an office firm or was meant for food, but it, it's made of a specific sound and specific text that you then just change the wording to be about Dungeons and Dragons and like context about a thing between a fighter and a rogue or a DM and a player rather than like a meme that you found with a funny trend that's between a boyfriend and a girlfriend. Maybe that's between a DM and their player. And you look at how it's filmed, how it's shot, how it's edited, and you just literally copy the concept that they did, but make it your own. Some people just literally copy things shot for shot and just say inspired by that original creator just to give them credit and just change the words. Some people will take a trend, see how it's shot, take the core idea of it, but just change it just enough so it's not a complete you know, clone of it. So it then does become your own. And you've added a new spin to the trend. You've added a new spin to the way it was shot. And then Instagram, you know, there's, there's pictures too. So you could just do all video content, which is obviously very popular now, but you can post pictures and stuff and be a bit more personal on those platforms. Cause it's in my opinion, like TikTok is very much about the quick gratification, about the laughs, about the views, the shares. And it's hard to be really personal on that mm -hmm. app rather than Instagram or Twitter, where you can be more personal and make more personal posts and people will feel like more engaged and closer to you. Because the stories and stuff, like you're constantly sharing your life through those apps a bit more frequently than TikTok. But some people also share their lives on TikTok and that's their personality there. So again, it, there, it's such a wide net of like where to start. But I think some of the best things you can do is just for people that have not inundated that content, get on those apps, Look up the subjects you're into, the content you want to make around D&D, RPG in this instance, and just start consuming, start seeing who those creators are that you like, styles that you feel connected to, and then you just start making your own content. And sometimes it may take a long time for something to hit. Maybe you're slow, your following is really slow at first, but then it starts to build as you get used to the language, the shooting style, what sounds people use that kind of thing. Some people make their first post and does two bajillion views. And yeah, like I remember first starting to making TikTok content in just before 2020, because I hopped on it just late 2019 before the pandemic, because I was mostly on Instagram at that point. And I dabbled in social media marketing for a long time, content creation for other people. So I was in the zeitgeist of like hearing voices of like what apps are cool right now, which ones are coming up. And TikTok had a lot of big hype around it because the, the virality of posts were just no, no other app gave you that access to getting that amount of views so quickly. So I hopped on it with D&D &D stuff and just got on it really early, which helped me get ahead of some people. But like in the middle of 2020, going into 2021, which a lot of people jumped onto it, a huge surge of people joined the app 
and started making D&D content because they saw other people doing it. I saw people go from 10 to 100,000 followers in like a month. Wow. And then like yeah. surpass me in followers when I've been on it for like a year and a half at that point. They're on it for three months and zoomed by me. So it's like not unheard of that you can hop on it and sometimes get really quick success. But sometimes things just take patience and takes some people a lot of trial and error to kind of find your voice or, you know, some people will think, I just want to make mean content. And they do that for a while. And it does fine. Maybe get them a few views here, a few views there. But it's not, you know, breaking that wall of getting a super viral video. Like maybe they only make videos that get 500 views, 1,000, 2,000, never break that mold until they make a video that's like an opinion piece. That's just, they're not lip syncing a sound. They're not following a trend. They make a video. It's like, you know what? Death saving throws. Don't use them in your game. Coward. It's stupid. Don't ever use this instead. And they finally show themselves in a video for the first time. And that's the most unique thing you can do sometimes on these platforms. The best way to stand out is to be yourself because nobody is you. There's only one of you. So your voice, your opinion, how you think about things, no one else can replicate that. And I'll see a lot of trends of creators who are doing fine doing meme content and doing jokes and taking trends and making it their own context. But there is a definite change in attention when they start making original videos that centers around their points of views or takes on things that no one else is hearing. And then you just see things start to skyrocket because people really love people who have independent takes and, you know, videos or ideas that are original that no one else is doing because then that just separates you from the noise even further. So that's kind of how I'll start that conversation in a nutshell of like steps you can take to kind of dive in if you if you've like just not inundated with content whatsoever. Yeah. That's awesome. That's a lot. There are so many things in so many directions. So I'll just say the thing that's on the top of my mind. What is like what is your level of engagement with the different things? Because like you're talking about with the Twitter and the Instagram, I feel like you have the potential, like you said, to hone in more on potential emotional side of things, which I think could garner more engagement in terms of TikTok, mainly because I'm less aware of it. Is there a level of engagement that's there in terms of like comments and like back and forth conversations? Or is it more of that, you know, you're the, the virality is kind of the big thing of like, I, you know, more attention is on it. Yeah. The level of engagement between this. Yeah. I mean, for my, my own experience, like my TikTok, sometimes I'm super on it. And sometimes I take a bit of a lull because I'm busy doing a lot of other stuff. But because I've filmed so much TikTok content, it allows me to bank stuff to put on Instagram, right? So like there's always something coming out on Instagram for myself. I know that if I make a personal post on TikTok, it usually flops. Because from the way I've kind of built my TikTok audience, it's very like dance, monkey dance. Like mm -hmm. if something's really funny and viral, there's tons of people that watch it. But I find only the best, best, best content does super well on TikTok for me because people just want to be entertained on that app. It's very much like a, like a TV network. Like people just want to be entertained. They want their laughs. They want their cool info, you know, kind of get in and out. And the times that I've tried to make personal posts, the way the algorithm's set up, it's not really built for that. And there are people that make TikTok their main thing and they post in there two, three times a day. So in that instance, like you start to build maybe a deep rapport with those people and you get intimate that way. I've been on Instagram the longest out of all my other socials. So like I have a long history with the audience there. Like I, I started making content, D&D content there like 2018. So I've been on my audience from the start. I've been with me for a long time. So I feel like when I make more personal posts there, you know, the, the support is more garnered there. Same with Twitter. If you have an idea or a thought about something emotional or supportive, it's easy for that to gain support as well because people retweet, people comment, people want to support you. Uh, you can get more per personal thoughts out there quicker. But it's not really content. There isn't really like one size fits all because everyone's found ways to garner audiences in certain fashions, in certain ways. I think, you know, maybe if I did post on TikTok like three or four times a day and I sprinkled in there more personal videos and stuff like that. It, my audience would feel more of a direct connection with me to to to, to care more if I had made more personal posts. Uh, but for the most part, my TikTok is kind of like a best of 
as far as like the various platforms for me, like it's a place where I try to make my most viral content. If I have posts that kind of flop, I just take them off because I just want it to be a best of place. But uh, that uh, account got me the most attention because it's my most followed platform. It's my most viewed platform as far as views go. But now Instagram lately has really taken off for me too. Like I've gained probably like 15,000 followers in the last like month and a half or so, um, just from videos, from different projects, from various things. But the video views on there have just skyrocketed for me lately. And it's been great. So it's like being engaged in a lot of different platforms rather than just sticking to one and only one is always great because you never know where these apps are going to change next. You never know when a Facebook is the best thing to be on right now to your grandpa's social media. Like you could put all your all your pennies into Instagram, but maybe one day that won't be the cool thing anymore and it'll change to something else. So having a good presence on all of them just kind of covers all your bases. And also if you cumulatively put all of your reach and video views together, like it's pretty big because you're not just only big on one platform. You're reaching people because some people are only Instagram people. Some people are only Twitter people. Some people are only TikTok people. So even if you are like millions and millions followed on just TikTok, yeah, you, you have a great audience. Lots of people know who you are, but you are missing out on those people that are only Instagram people, you know? So, and maybe you try, you try, you try on TikTok or Instagram and you're just not hitting, you're just not doing it. But then you're like, fine, I'll, I'll make a Twitter. And maybe Twitter's the place you're super good at words and the written word and like quotes and writing reviews on things that get people talking. And maybe that's the one for you, but you won't know until you kind of dabble in them all. And I'm only, I made my first Twitter account in like 2014 and I'm only just understanding how it's working yeah. now. Like I finally get it and I never understood it before. It was a platform that was always like really random to me, but I took some time to just like, like I practice what I preached. I just was like, I want to be better at Twitter. It's where TTRPG industries live for the yeah. most part as well. Like you can make video content, TikTok and Instagram. You can develop an audience. You can get your personality, your brand out there and get invited to do cool things and be a part of cool things. But on the business side, having a huge Twitter account almost dwarfs all that. If we're talking about D&D specifically, because the brands, the businesses that move mountains, that give people careers that can give you a salary in this business, sometimes are made on Twitter. So there's something to be said about dipping your, your hand in everything and, and giving it a go. Yeah. So the other thing I, I think about is like, what are... I mean, it sounds so cliche, but there's no way to have some conversations without some cliches added in there. But like, what are <laughs> the pros and cons? I mean, but I think about like, yeah, more of what are the hardships? I mean, like the, those harder moments. I know you've talked about it. And I think learning is probably one of the harder ones because it, I feel like that with a lot of other things. Like there's several spaces and places on the Internet that I've just never engaged with because I'm just like, I don't understand. And it also comes from like a person who's like a heavy, heavy IT tech background, and it still remains true. So like I can imagine that someone even without my expertise in technology and things like that, stepping into these places and not being able to understand them. What is Tumblr? I don't know what that is. I don't understand how that works. And people are just like, how do you not know? Tumblr is so amazing. Or it's like a person that just lives and dies on Reddit. And I'm just like, I just, I don't, I haven't been able to crack that code on that one either. But so I think like, what are like some of the, the hardships that come to mind in terms of like becoming a content creator? I mean, hardships. I mean, oh yeah, there's definitely like a lot of people. Also, I have a background in performing, being an actor. I started acting when I was 16. I've been in that scene and that industry for a long time. So I understand what it takes, what one needs to have to sustain themselves in an entertainment world because content creation is an entertainment business. And a lot of people aren't geared for that lifestyle or don't have the mental fortitude to get through when things are hard or when views are low or when ideas aren't working to then just give up be like, this is too hard. I just don't want to do it. I mean, I think hardships are mental health. Obviously, you can get bogged down in low views and, and not no attention 
to like, no one cares about me because no one likes my stuff. And that can be hard for most people. One of the first things that happens when people start making content because they're like, I've always wanted to do it. I've always wanted to try it. They try it. They make like two or three videos. They don't go, they don't do anything or maybe do it for like a month. It isn't, nothing happens and they just stop and they just say, this is stupid and they move on, which is fine. It's not for you. It's not for most people, but it's really hard for people to like make stuff and it not do well. Like it's, this thing isn't easy. Otherwise everyone would do it. For some people it comes supernaturally and it, it is really easy on the outside looking in. But for some people, like if this is something you want to do and you're not good at it at first, like you have to work at it like any other skill, like any other vocation, like you can't just be a hockey player, pick up a hockey stick and be the best in the world. Like you got to work at it. You got to put time into it. Another hardship is time. Finding the time to make stuff is hard for most people. Most people have a nine to five job that they do in the mornings or at night. And it's hard to find the time to make stuff if you've got a relationship going on, if you've got family that you got to deal with or, or take care of, if you've got a lot of commitments outside your job that you're involved in, you know, uh, recreational things. It's like, where do I find the time? And if you're somebody who doesn't like working on the weekends, it's even harder to find the time. A lot of times, you know, the pandemic was a great way for people to make stuff because no one had any commitments. All they had was time to make stuff. And so for some people that happened to them and they ran with it and then they got so popular that they didn't, and they never needed to work again. But for myself, especially now, like I am, this is my full-time job, content creation, making TTRPG content is my full-time job now, but that's more part to the studio I work with who I have a full-time contract with. And my content is more part-time income. Like I, I couldn't just make dice cream stuff alone and have a full-time salary at this point. It's great supplementary money to a full-time income. I just basically, all the money that comes in from dice cream, I just kind of have put into a separate bank account and have just barely touched it just to let it kind of grow. But the studio work, other, like before the studio, I was working with a hospitality group where I was making content for like a bunch of their businesses, like restaurants and bars. And I was in charge of their Instagrams and recording content. So that was my nine to five, still content work, but I had to find ways to make content outside of that for dice cream. Luckily it was a stay at home job, which helped. So that job was more worked on, worked on the base of deliverables. So as long as my work was done at when they needed it, it didn't matter what I did nine to five, because as long as I got my work done, who cares? So that helps because it leaves a lot of time to make stuff. Uh, right now, the studio, we're doing so much work. Like like I said earlier, the Avatar show just launched. I was helping them with promo with that. Uh, I'm getting ready to film my second studio game. We've got those events coming up. It's hard to find time to make content for myself. And right now, I should be making more, <laughs> but uh, it's, it's hard to find the time. So, you know, it's, uh, on days when I'm able to work from home, if I get my, you know, my, my digital studio done early, I'll make a few videos um, on the weekend. If uh, my girlfriend is got a, a friend engagement or a family engagement at the apartment to myself, I'll make some videos. You know, you kind of just find the time to do it, carve that time out for yourself, but it's not as easy for most people to find that time. So self-esteem, you know, trying to be consistent and stay on top of making stuff. And that's where a lot of burnout happens because people get in their heads that like, I got to make a, I got to put out stuff every single day. If I don't, the wheels will stop, especially for people who are getting into this, who aren't entertainers, aren't performers. This is all new for them. This is a world that they're not used to. So you see people get a little bit of success with like a few viral videos or, you know, their numbers are slowly growing. And then they're like, like things are moving. I have to do this every day. I got to keep dancing. Cause if I stop dancing, it'll all go away. And then that's when you start to burn out because you're not being self-aware with yourself of like, you don't sleep, you don't eat, you're working yourself to death and you come home at seven, then you make content till 10 and then you haven't made yourself dinner. And then you say, I won't eat, I'll just do it tomorrow. Or, you know, some friends of mine work nine to five, they come home to like, just get done for the day. Then they make content at like midnight till 5 a.m. Because that's just when they feel like doing it. So it could be hard to wrap your head around though, but is there a pros to this too? Or do you want to, do you want to comment on any of that so far? No, I, I mean, I love a lot of that because I think I'm not going to say that there's like a grand disillusion, but there's certainly a disillusion to the idea that TikToking and content creating is easy 
and it's not because it is work. That's just the long and the short of it is like to be successful. You know, I'm going to I'm going to reframe that real quick for us to stay successful. It's work. I'm not going to say that there aren't people that become successful with little to no work because there is just the, the nature of virality. And like sometimes it does happen that minimal work is put in and a lot of success happens to stay successful that it is work. It is genuine, unquestionable work that 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 is just true. And like you said, especially if you have other work that you're already doing this work in, I think it goes a lot to the things that you had said previously, you need to find the thing you care the most about because it needs to drive you when it, when nothing else can. The idea that if it is, let's say it is dice and I'm just, I'm just over the moon. I'm digging through, you know, vintage thrift stores. I'm trying to save up money to buy the ones where they made it out of mammoth bone. And I'm trying to tell you how these are different than other ones. Or I'm, you know, these have skulls in them and that's the coolest thing that I've ever seen. And dice, dice, dice. These are three feet wide. Let's go. I'm going to play outside because it's the only place with enough room that I can roll these things. The idea that you have to really find the thing that matters enough to you to push you through those hard times. But like you said, there's a lot of things that are going to, that can potentially come from this that become those pros. So I definitely, yeah, what, now that we've kind of, dipped into the dark side like what are some of the pros of being uh of creating content yeah well i mean apart from you know vain gratification uh because it is an endorphin buzz when you have an idea or you share a thought or you make a video or you produce a joke that a ton of people really dig like a like everyone's commenting you're getting a hundred thousand views a million views shared everywhere. Everyone's like, that was so funny. That's a great take. That meme's hilarious. You get an endorphin buzz from it. You're like, oh crap, people love my stuff. People like me. That's so insane to think like a million people saw a thing that I made. And that keeps you going, obviously, right? It's hard to keep a thing going when you're getting low engagement and no one's saying things or sometimes only mean people say things. But when it's the opposite, when you're making things and they're hitting, it gives you a lot of steam to keep going because you're getting a lot of attention and it just feels good. But a part of just the vain part of it, like there's lots of opportunity that can come from making content, like meeting, networking, meeting certain people, getting opportunities to get paid to make your content from sponsors, from companies that dig your vibe as well and love your videos and want to pay you to sponsor a thing for them. Or sometimes you get asked to be a part of shows. Sometimes you get brand deals that want to be a part of your thing. You know, like there's a lot of opportunity that can come from building a brand and making content that people want to see because attention is the name of the game. Attention is the currency that we're all playing with. And attention is what brands and companies and all these people need for their own services and their own brands. So it's this trade day trading of attention that a lot of people like to say, that is kind of the what you're doing. And it's super gratifying. And it can sometimes cause people that they don't have to work anymore if it's going super well or allows them to get invited to freaking D&D cruises and get paid to just be on a vacation for a week with a bunch of other fun nerds. And yeah, but it all starts with what are you passionate about? Like what kind of content do you want to make or you're wanting to make that's going to make you come back to this, you know, thinking about it day in, day out, week after week. To, to want you to voice that opinion, to make that video, whether it's just you want to make people laugh, you want to share dice, whatever. And maybe you're like, I'm the dice guy. I know there's a lot of dice people, but like, I just love dice. I have all these vintage collections of dices. I want to go out vintage shopping and search for dice. And maybe you start that and it flops for a bit and it's not going anywhere. Then you go back to the drawing board and you start looking at dice videos online. Then you see which ones are super viral and which ones are doing really well. And you're like, okay, what am I missing? What am I not making that's not hitting? What are they making that is? You know, my videos are 40 seconds to a minute long. There's a 15 seconds. Maybe I should make 15 second videos. Their start this way, end this way, has these songs. Maybe I should experiment with those. And you try and you try and you try. And eventually, I promise you, something will work. Eventually, something will work. If you just stop, then it it never will happen if you stop. But if you keep being consistent and keep going, things will eventually happen. And there's 
So I like all the stuff in my life right now has all come directly from content creation. Like I'm doing work that I love. I get to express myself the way that I want to. I get to be a part of a community that I respect and that I, you know, would be consuming this content otherwise, even if I wasn't a part of it. I get, I've been invited to castles in London. I've been invited to cruises. I've been invited to perform at Gen Con and now San Diego. I've got to partner up with a studio that makes critical role like content that allows me to produce my own studio actual plays. And this has all come from me making silly videos about D&D on Instagram and TikTok. Like the pros of it just can go on and on and on. Yeah. And I think I think one of the big takeaways that I've always had with content creation is and even the podcast, like obviously it's content and it, I create it and I'm helping create it. That makes me a content creator. That's that's just the long and the short of it. But one of the things like always to keep in mind, positively, negatively, pragmatically, logistically, any lead that you want to put, one of the things to always keep in mind is that when you receive content or when you create content, what's going out there is a very specifically curated version of you. That's to say, and we'll use both of us as an example because I feel like this, I feel like you're going to be completely comfortable with this conversation. Is that there? I will guarantee you that there are people that have watched your content that don't like you because of the content that you've watched. I also guarantee you that if some of those, I'm not saying all, but if a, a majority of those people met you as an actual person, they probably would like you. And I feel the same yeah. way about me is like, I'll, and I feel like the reverse is also completely true. I will guarantee you that there are people that like me based <laughs> on the content. And if they were to meet me in person and like, you know, we were to go at, at a deeper level, there's a very real chance that they will not like me anymore. And I, that's, I think that's one of the things always to keep in mind is that what you're receiving when it comes to social media or just any content in general, that it is a specifically curated version of that person's mentality, because you could, you'd also see it with certain variety shows and things like that. There's, there's a, that person may be putting on even more so than what we're talking about, a personality that is not them at all. Like be it any again well just the lees all the politically socially um all the lees like they can just be putting on their persona to create the content that they want because they know that what they do that it's engaging and it and there's that back yeah. and forth so i think that's a super important thing um especially if like a person if you are a content creator and you're smaller and you're listening like don't and i know it's hard but don't take these things personally because again, someone is only engaging with the specifically curated version that you're putting out there. And just like every DM, I am not the DM for everyone. Good God, I am not. I'm just I I know that if a bunch of people could come to my table and be like, you suck. And I'd be like, that's <laughs> cool. Great. I'm glad that you're walking away from this experience knowing more than you did before. Because you know that I don't work for you. And that should better equip you to go find the person that does. Not only that, that should in turn better equip me to know the person like you. And this is not throwing shade at anybody. That means you're not the player for me. And I should always think about that the next time I want to add someone to my game. Yeah, I uh, I have had comments here and there, you know, but I just personally like some people will engage with it. Some people will make a stink about it. I just it is just a system for me to curate my audience better because whenever I get bad comment of someone saying you're dumb or that's stupid or whatever, I just block, I delete, and I never have to worry about that person yeah. again. That person doesn't need to be a part of my community and see my content if they're already within the first three seconds who don't follow me who are saying this is dumb. Perfect. I've now found another person that doesn't need to be in this world that I've created. And we're only keeping in the people that, you know, want to bring good vibes and do good things. So the criticism can be hard for some as well. But yeah, and I'm I've always been of the mind that it's not it's there is so much good content that I do want to consume. I just on a personal basis can't wrap my mind around wasting my time if I do feel that way. If I did genuinely feel like someone's content is dumb, I don't want to waste my time further engaging with it. I should yeah. because there's someone that loves it and that's for them. It's for them just in the same way that like yeah. if I don't like a DM, then I shouldn't 
like I, I shouldn't be at that table. And that's okay too. There's so much good content out there and content that can be for you that you should go engage positively with whatever you can find. And I say that to also say that's as a content creator, that's something to keep in mind as well is that your content is never absolutely not going to be for everybody. But the power of the internet, for good and for ill, is to connect people that otherwise wouldn't have been connected. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, making, again, making content, content creation is a hard thing. It's not for, again, just to reiterate, it's 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 a hard gig sometimes. It's not going to be for everybody. But, you know, if you're somebody who's passionate about it, who wants to get started in it, you should just always try new things and just go for it and just don't worry about what other people are going to think of you. Don't worry about if your parents are going to see it, if your friends are going to see it, if you th- they think, you know, it's going to make you look silly or weird. Don't listen to the noise. Your true friends will always be there to support you, to keep you going, to say like, oh, that's awesome. I saw that post. That was great. You know, just listen to people who are positive influences in your life because it's just a good lesson overall in life that the people who want to tear you down, the people that want to judge, or throw shade are not worth your time and they're not going to help you grow or get to the places that you want to get in life. So don't sweat any of those people. Don't put energy into those people. Just only commit to the people that want good things for you. that want to see you succeed and making these videos too. Like apart from like making YouTube, which is long form and requires like lots of editing, you can just stick to a schedule of like, I just got to make one TikTok a day or two or three a day, or maybe two or three a week. And they take five seconds to do because they're 15 seconds long most of the time. So if you can keep up with doing just like one a day and just and then you, you know, you can download your TikToks without the watermark now. And uh, I think if you're filming stuff and those are the icons on the right set right side, when it's in drafts, there's like an arrow now that you can oh, okay. download it without the watermark that then you can then put on your Instagram reel. So you don't have to worry about fancy apps or like what I had to do is like download the TikTok or take the link and then use a program to get rid of the watermark. You can now just download it straight from TikTok. So let TikTok be your base app that you make a content in, then you download it so you can put it on Reels. Even if you did one a day, I guarantee you making one 15 to 20 second video a day is easy for you. Even if it's just a, a great way of making content that I most that I've done from time to time and I know people do, they'll just Take like find an article from the news or like a, a, a thing, that story that's going around like this game dropped. Critical Role has this new cast member on it. This dice collection is arriving soon. They'll just like screenshot the article, make it a green screen mm-hmm. effect of so the, the articles behind you and just give their two cents about it. That's it. One of the funniest accounts I have found recently is this guy who puts on who puts on a total persona because I've seen enough videos that when he isn't doing it it's wild because it's just not the same person but he puts on this very like south boston just kind of angry confused persona and just has the weirdest craigslist stuff ever like this lady is trying to sell a wig and to hide her face she just has two post-it giant post-it notes over like where her starting at her eyebrows but you can see a vast majority of her face and it's just like you said it's just him taking this craigslist posting green screening it behind him and just having a field day and it's some of the funniest things i've seen lately yeah so there's a lot of content that's not very like doesn't even require that much effort like you were saying earlier you can just like, you know, like I made a post the other day on on Instagram for Questline because you have an avatar show coming out. They release like the costume reveals for the avatar cast. The first shot was they just revealed costumes for avatar. Second shot was the shot of Aang, the shot of Katara, Sokka, Zuko, and me just going, whoa, like a face like I'm excited. I got 300,000 views on Instagram. That was the yeah. effort put into it i had i the sound was an avatar theme okay yeah like that was literally i just gave you the shot for shot remake of how i made that post and that was three hundred thousand views because it was topical it was something that just happened sharing is something that people that that is sharing the post is what makes things viral the more people share it the more views it gets the more people watch it from beginning to end that's kind of a formula for why things go viral 
the amount of people sharing it times by the amount of people watching it from beginning to the very end. If you've got those two things going at rapid fire 100%, that's when things go to a million views because everyone's sharing it, which then tells the algorithm more people want it, should see it. More people watch it from beginning to end, which tells that more people want to see it. And that's how things is going to run. So yeah, for anyone that wants to get into start making stuff, you just pick a subject you're passionate about, try things out, rinse, repeat, consume the content you're trying to make for, make sure you're educated in you know, what is being made. Because I, I, I see a lot of people making content that don't consume any of it and it goes nowhere. And it's, and they're like, I make stuff, but it doesn't, it never goes anywhere. So I stopped doing it. I was like, how much TikTok stuff do you actually watch or like, you know, are inundated in? I'm like, well, not really. I don't have time. It's like, well, then you, you don't know who your audience yeah. is. You don't know what kind of content is working because you don't even watch it yourself. So some people just do it just to say they did it or just to call themselves a content creator. And they don't put that extra work into it. That's just like, well, if you're going to do it, like, put the work into it, like do some research, like it doesn't have to be flops, but yeah. So I like it. Okay. I will, let's, let's round out. What is, what is the best piece of advice that you got from someone when you were starting, starting out on that content creator path? A lot of this has been self-taught. If anything, I was the one doing a lot of the advice (laughs) for friends I was meeting because they were like working as a plumber and then had an audience of 20,000 people in like a month on TikTok. And we're like, what do I do? I don't get, I don't know how this works. Yeah. What do I do? Like, ah. And me trying to like give them advice on like, you know, here's how you should do this. Here's how you should handle that. I mean, I can flip the script on you. What is the worst piece of advice that you, that you got along the way? <laughs> I'm drawing a blank right now because like this, a lot of this has been self-taught. A lot of this has been me kind of trial and error and finding things that worked and then just kind of sticking to things that worked. Um, I think one general piece of advice that's just good to know from what I've given a lot of people is just know, like this is more for people who are maybe have a bit of an audience and are just not sure what to do what to do or you know when people start coming and knocking at their door being like hey we want to do a sponsorship with you what are your rates or you know we want to do this deal with you do you will you work for commission like for every product you sell you get 20% the best advice for content like for people starting off be consistent just be consistent no matter what you do you post once a week once a month every day be consistent and don't just stop like that's the worst thing you can do no matter what you're making what kind of content just always be consistent keep doing it don't disappear because it, it makes it just harder for audiences to find you and makes it harder for you to develop a community uh if you're like going 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 and you just stop for four months and then you're like i'm back guys uh you know and some pe- some people need the break some people burn out. i'm not saying like if you if you're having a hard time like push through it and don't you know, be self-aware, but if you're trying to like build something, just be consistent, keep doing it and moving forward. Um, but also be best piece of advice for people who are like maybe gaining a bit of an audience and are getting, starting to have people come to them with opportunities, know your worth, know what your audience size is worth, know what your content is worth, because you get a lot of people that will start coming to you and things are going good and try to basically buy you way under what you're worth. They'll try to get you to make a video that for them for $100. And maybe you have, you know, 80,000 followers and you're like, someone wants to pay me 100 bucks to make a video? That's never happened before. That's the best thing in the world. But then you look at your numbers, you look at your views, you look at your engagement and you realize that your content is worth $2,000, not 100. And it's, it, it's really hard for people to know what that looks like and how that is. There are websites you can go to that will kind of bo- like ballpark, gather your info, gather your following, your engagement rates, all that, and kind of give you an idea. Like your posts are worth this much to this much based on how many views you get per week, per month, per day, and how many people are engaging with your stuff. Because 
There's something to be said about someone who has a million followers, but their videos are like a thousand views, 2000 views, and people will pay that person a few thousand dollars for a post because million looks great as opposed to a content creator, the smaller following, like, again, let's go, let's say 80,000, but their videos do 500,000, a million, 600,000, 100,000, 80,000 consistently. You put those two counts together, the 80,000 is worth way more than that million. And people get confused whether you're on the business side trying to attract creators to work with, or you're a creator looking to try to monetize a bit and look for opportunities to start to make a little bit of income with your stuff. That That is the biggest hurdle for most people is to figure out what they're worth and what their rates are and what money to ask because businesses are always going to lowball you. That's their job. They're trying to get the most yep. amount for the lowest amount of money. So you doing that research and knowing like what posts are worth on your channel, even if you're, even if you don't do, maybe you are small and just get like a thousand views here, 2000 views there. That's still worth something. 50 bucks is still a lot of money. You know, like it's nothing to snuff out an extra 50 bucks here, an extra hundred bucks there. Hey, that's your groceries for that week. Well, maybe not this day and age, <laughs> but you know, that can give your, you know, your son, you can get them a gift and a toy that maybe you couldn't afford before. Like any kind of extra income is nothing to snuff at. We all got to start somewhere, but the more you're more educated about what your content is worth and what you're worth as a content creator, the better you are to come to that table when opportunity knocks with information, with stats, with asking prices, then you just sort of set a baseline and then your people won't try, can't manipulate you or try to get you for pennies on the dollar because you know what you're worth and you know what your content's worth. So I like it. Know your, that is a wonderful takeaway. Know your worth and hold on to it. Okay. So the final question we have is where can people go on this world wide web and all of those inter interwebs um, to find all the stuff you're doing? Interweb time. Shout out yeah. socials. Uh, well, for me personally, Dice Cream Sandwich, uh, you can find it on most platforms. I'm on the Twitter as Dice Cream Sammy, like we said. <laughs> I'm on uh, Instagram and TikTok, Dice Cream Sandwich. You can also find my, my content with Questline, the studio that I work for, on their socials too. Questline, D&D, RPG, Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, TikTok. Uh, you'll see some of my stuff on there too. The Dragonlands campaign that I did with them that launched in January is on their YouTube right now. They've got an amazing array of content and shows as well that you can consume over there. Their Twitch and uh, YouTube is where my second campaign will live when that comes out, hopefully in this, uh, near the beginning of August. So keep your eyes peeled for all that. But that's where you can find me. Perfect. Well, thank you again for coming on, sharing so much information and hopefully... Hopefully it helps, and I just cannot express this enough. If this podcast helps literally one person, we done did it. We yeah. we done did it. it, it could we, be we got there. One person or a million people, but as long as it did that, then we have been a success today. So there we go. And I have little to no doubt that we will do something somewhere down yeah. the line. I hope so, man. Um, and hopefully this year before you die, but then. The, yes. There, yes. There we go. Yeah. Before the death gods take me next year, I'm definitely going to wind down on the events because this year I was just like, let's say yes to everything. And I'm realizing like I'm just an itty bitty boy and my soul, human soul, cannot take <laughs> all of this crazy amounts of, of creative just, you know, hardship that's going on. But again, I'm super grateful. Love all these opportunities that are being thrown my way. But next year, you know, maybe not do seven, eight events in a year plus three studio games. All the same. Perfect. Well, then what we will then we will commit to is we'll have to have you on the podcast once again. Hell yeah. More podcasts, more having fun, more being a player and making more content and just contributing to the community that we all love. We just want to thank Kevin, a.k.a. Dice Cream Sandwich for coming on, sharing what I feel is a beautiful insight into the mind of at least one D&D content creator and hopefully something from the episode you take away either it helps you engage with the content creators that you know and love or helps you become one that someone else knows and loves and if you have a content creator that you know and love and you think we should absolutely have them on the podcast as always you can head over and you can email us at dungeonmasterblock at gmail.com 
And of course, if you see fit and we are a content creator you know and love, head over to iTunes, aka Apple Podcasts, your podcatcher of choice. Leave a rating and review. They are always helpful. And we are currently on Twitter at DMS underscore block. You can find us on Facebook. You can find us on whatever, someone, somewhere. Look for us. We're probably there. And as always, if we're not, let us know. And as always, the Dungeon Masters Block is a proud member of the Block Party Podcast Network, where you can check out other shows like Detentions and Dragons, Dungeons and Dragons and Daughters, and more. And we just want to thank you for listening to the Dungeon Masters Block, the place where we come to talk about the Dungeon Master, the most important person in the game, the only person capable of playing God, killing characters, and lowering the egos of all the people at the table. I'm DM Neil. Good night, good luck, and keep on dungeon mastering.